1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 6 through 9. Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We're going to stop right there. We're doing a series on the Great Commission. And this is actually the fourth part. And if you look at, at verse 9, it says at the beginning of that verse, For we are laborers together with God. This is within the context of the preaching of the gospel and bringing the gospel. And I say to that, what a blessing and what a joy. Sometimes we might look at the Great Commission as being, uh, it's just too, too much for us. It almost looks like a, a huge overwhelming duty that um, overshadows everything else. And I guess in one sense, it does. But we're laborers together with God. And I say what a blessing to that. What a joy to work with the Lord. What a blessing to have the Lord work alongside of us. That we're not just going, we're going with the Lord. We're going in His name. And as believers washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we labor for God. There's no question about it. We labor in His fields. Amen? We've been talking about that the last few weeks. We labor to bring men to faith in Jesus Christ that the Lord's house, He says, may be filled. We labor in the ministry of the Gospel, seeking to turn sinners to Christ. But greatest of all, the Lord Himself is working with us. The Lord Himself is working with us. He's working through us. and He's working for us. He's doing all of those things. And that's a tremendous blessing. The Lord is working with us. The Lord is working through us. The Lord is working for us. Almighty God is laboring right alongside of us. If you think, think you're all by yourself somewhere, you think you're off serving God somewhere, doing something, and nobody notices and nobody is there to help or give a word of encouragement, the Bible says we're laborers together with God. The Lord is laboring right alongside of us. He's right there, elbow to elbow, arms locked together and working with us. The Bible, Jesus says, when He, the Holy Ghost, has come, the Comforter, whom the Father will send in My name. He, he talked about the comfort of the whole, which is the Holy Ghost, who the world cannot receive. He said that the word Comforter means, we talked about it a few weeks ago, it means one who comforts or consoles. But it also means one who draws alongside or draws near to help. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. The Holy Ghost who Jesus, the Father sent in Jesus' name. Okay? And He, he draws alongside of us to help. He, he draws near to help. The Lord is with us and He's working. And as we talked about last week in the Great Commission from Mark's account, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Doesn't it say that? The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. The Lord is working with us. So as we're, we're never alone, 
as we labor for God. We're never alone as we labor in the fields for the Lord, fulfilling the Great Commission, compelling men to come to Jesus Christ. We're never. And lo, again, this is in the context, and lo, I am with you always, always, even unto the end of the world. That means to the end of the age or to the end of our generation or particular age that we're in. I'm with you always. And so I remember this account uh, from R.A. Torrey, this personal testimony. I was reading a little bit about his life and a wonderful man of God. I've talked about him a lot. He was contemporary with D.L. Moody, a little bit younger, but their, their lives and ministries overlapped and they worked together. But when he first started preaching, he was not baptized in the Holy Spirit. He loved God. He was saved. He was a preacher and serving the Lord. And he would, he would preach. And when he was through preaching, uh, he was uh, immediately flopped back. There was a chair behind the pulpit. As soon as the sermon was over, he flopped that back in the chair. And the devil would start harassing him, saying, yeah, but you've got to do it all again next week. And he would study and he would pray and he would tediously go over his sermons word after word, line after line, trying to come up with the, the perfect sermon, the perfect message. And he felt this incredible pressure. And as soon as he would finish preaching it, he'd flop back down in the chair week after week. And the devil says, yep, you've got to do it all again next week. And he says, it was this way and, and ministry was agonizing for him. Preaching specifically was agonizing for him. And he was called to preach. He was called to minister. It was agonizing for him until the Lord brought him to the truth and the reality of the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said it changed everything, specifically that in his ministry. He said, and I knew that the Lord was up there with me when I was standing in the pulpit. It was no longer me going up there trying to serve God and to serve people through the perfect sermon. It was the Lord standing in the pulpit with me. It was the Lord right alongside with me. And he said, aside of me, and it was total joy after that. The Lord liberated him. He had to go through that. It was hard. I'm sure it was miserable. The Lord is the answer for everything. He is sufficient for us. And you say, well, I can't relate to that. I'm not a preacher or whatever. But in anything in life, the Lord draws near to help. He's our comforter. He's not just near. He's near to help. And when he, he realized this, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It changed his life. It changed his ministry. It changed his attitude and joy in preaching and preparing. It's still hard, but it's a joy. Because they thought every time I open my mouth, the Lord is standing there with me. He's right there with me. So we're going to talk about this today in, in the context of the Great Commission, which we've been talking about. We're not to be fearful or overwhelmed with the call. Whatever the call is, everyone's got a different call in one sense, specific ministries, and everybody has the same call in one sense. We're all ambassadors for Christ. We're all to be laborers in His field. We're all to be fulfilling the Great Commission, compelling men to come in, that the Lord's house may be filled. But we're not to be overwhelmed or feel fearful when He sends us out into all the world. We're not to be overwhelmed or fearful thinking it's just a little too great for me or way too great for me. He's sending me out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. We're sending our little church out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And we're overwhelmed, we can be, as though the task is too great for us. And I'll say this, the task of standing in this pulpit and preaching, or Tory standing in the pulpit and preaching, 
any task like that would be too great for us and it would be too great for any man if it were not for the Lord working alongside of us. It would be too great for us if it were not for the Lord working with us and empowering us and being with us. Jesus said to His disciples, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's enabled us to go forth like we talked about last week. We go in His power and y'all, we go with Him. Power is not something that the Lord gives to us separate from Himself. So keep that in mind too. You know, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. God doesn't just say, I'm going to fill your gas tank up with the fuel, you know, the power to go. He doesn't just do that. That would be wonderful if He did, but it's so much better. He doesn't give His power separate from Himself. He, he gives the fullness of His Spirit. Well, the Spirit is God. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the eternal Spirit. He empowers us and enables us. We go in His power, but we also go with Him and He goes with us. It's a package deal. Amen? He goes with us. He's with us wherever we go. Paul understood this. He said this in Colossians 1. If you're taking notes, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He speaks, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man. So here's the Great Commission. First of all, he says, Christ is in you. That's the hope of glory. Whom we preach, Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ, whereunto also I... I labor, striving according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. That Scripture, I've known it all my life. I guess I've read it, but I never thought about it so much until the last several months that Scripture has really come to me that we labor, we do labor, we strive, we're striving, but we're striving according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. But that's Christ in you, the hope of glory, working mightily. It's not some power that He dispenses to you over here and says, go on your way. He fills us with the Holy Ghost. He fills us with Himself. And God goes with us. We're labors together with God. He labors alongside of us. Like Tori came to realize, praise God, and changed his life. Jesus said this when He was being... Um, blasted by the, by the Jews around Him. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay Him because He had done these things on the Sabbath. He had healed someone on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. That's a simple little verse, but think about it. The Bible says God doesn't sleep nor slumber. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need rest. When he rested on the seventh day after creation, it doesn't mean he rested because he was tired. The word rest there means to cease because it was complete. He rested from his labors because he was done. When he saw it, it was good. Behold, it was very good. All that he had created. My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. So Jesus Christ, when he came at his first coming, he came to work. Specifically engaged in seeking and saving the lost. His his plan in doing that was through His preaching, His miracles, and ultimately through the cross. Okay, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. It was all a work. Only uh, work the works of God while it's day. Right? 
He works. That word work means to toil, to labor. Your occupation, to be engaged in, to minister. When Jesus came at His first coming to be the propitiation for the sins of the world, He came not to be served, right? But to serve. And what He he says in the Bible tells us, He came to be a servant. He's a worker. He's coming to work. Even though He went to the cross to be a ransom uh, for, for all. Okay, to pay this the sin atoning price for all. He came to be a minister and to serve and to give his life a ransom. And we're told in the word of God that we're to let that same mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that mind? We've talked about it. It's an obedient mind. It's a servant mind. He came and he served specifically. Let this will be in you. This mind be in you. And our Lord came to labor. It was a labor of love. Amen? In love He came. He came to serve. He came down to, to lay down His life for, for sinful men. And He served sinful men. He served people that were never going to come to Him. And, and He healed a lot of people, y'all, that never were going to thank Him and never going to come to Him. Some of the people He healed were going to cry, crucify Him. Some of the very ones. Okay, He came in love to serve. He served His Father and He served men. Sinful men to, to, uh, to redeem men. All that would put their faith in Him. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, the last chapter that he wrote before he was martyred, Paul writes, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. That's a work. And I can promise you it's not just for Timothy. We know it from other Scriptures in the Word of God. Make full proof of thy ministry. So it's a work. And I'll say this this morning, that laboring in God's fields, fulfilling the Great Commission, personally, your part in that. You're working in His fields. You seeking to bring men to the Lord. Actively occupied in this endeavor is hard. How many of you know it's hard? I didn't say it wasn't joyful. I said it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's a, it's a work. It's a labor. It's difficult. In fact, I would say that laboring faithfully unto God, I mean, totally sold out to the Lord, serving God, even if you have a secular job, you're, you do it unto the Lord, and you're serving God, engaged in bringing, seeking to bring, turn men to Christ, right? That laboring in the Lord's fields is the hardest work you'll ever do. There's not a harder work than that. Oh, you should see the world's dirtiest jobs, you know, on TV or whatever. Some of the stuff that people do. I'm not saying physically that they're not some hard jobs. I'm telling you that serving God in a world that hates God and doesn't know Him and doesn't want to know Him, and you're laying down your life daily. You're laying down your life daily for, for God, but really for people in a sense, for the Lord is the hardest work you'll ever do. Let me describe some of it just a little bit. When we're, when we're laboring in God's fields, we're laboring in prayer. And I put that number one. We're laboring in prayer. Continuing in prayer. Instant in prayer. In prayer and fasting. What are we praying for? We're beseeching God for souls. We're beseeching God for souls. God, give me souls. God save my, and you fill in the blank, uncle, my dad, my brother, my cousin, my classmates, whoever. Lord, use me today. Give me souls. We're praying. That's hard to beseech the Lord. We get tired and we want to just kind of give up and offer up some little one half of one second prayer. Save all the lost. 
<laughs> that encompasses it all. But I think he wants us to labor in prayer. That's part of laboring in his fields. We pray for, for hearts to be soft. Lord, I feel like you've led me to talk to so-and-so tomorrow. Would you soften their heart? Give me an entrance. Give me an open door to step into. And I'll do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Praying for boldness. Praying for a heart like Jesus' heart where He wept over Jerusalem because they wouldn't come to Him. A heart that really weeps like that. Not a fake, you know, getting some tears worked up. But a heart for that. You see, when we were laboring, this is hard. It's not easy to serve God. It's not easy to, to be fulfilling the Great Commission. We're, we're fighting in this work. Not only praying, but we're fighting the devil. We, we're fighting the devil's kingdom. We're fighting in his territory. We're praying to, that God would use us to bring down strongholds. Maybe an individual life. A stronghold of Islam. A stronghold of atheism. A stronghold of humanism. Uh, to Praying that that stronghold that the devil has set up in that life or community or city or school will be brought down. We're praying uh, against the devil, his kingdom. Paul says he fought the beast at Ephesus. He didn't fight a beast. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. Spiritually speaking, the idolatry and the, the, uh, the hatred and opposition which was so strong and prevalent in this city that they had the big temple to Diana of the Ephesians and, he, and what he fought against trying to bring the gospel there and he did. And God prevailed. And there was a church established there. And so well, Timothy, I believe, was the pastor at Ephesus. Okay? And so, uh, but it's a, it's a labor, y'all. It's hard. We're, we're fighting in the fields and we're being rejected. We're being persecuted. This is not poor me. This is just simply a nature of the game. I'm telling you, it's difficult. Okay, it's not a pity party. Being rejected, being persecuted, being hated, being mocked, being betrayed. Been betrayed for Jesus' sake? Have you been abandoned by some people for Jesus' sake because you're stand for the Lord, you walk with the Lord? In some cases, being imprisoned, some places being killed or martyred for Jesus' sake and for the gospel. It's hard. Paul said, I died daily. What do you mean, Paul? I think that's part of what he means right there. I can't say I totally know. I think that's part of what he means. I die daily. I die daily. I'm laying my life on the line every single day. Every day. Rejected, mocked, cursed, stoned. You know, whatever. Uh, Imprisoned. The physical things, the spiritual things. I die daily. I didn't say it's miserable. I said it's hard. And there's a difference. It's very difficult. It is not miserable. But we're not working, number one, by our own strength, which we've talked about, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world or the earth. So we're not working in our own power, nor are we laboring alone. We're not laboring alone. We've been empowered by God, but we're even with that power, we're not alone. The Lord is working with us. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is a wonderful passage. 2 Timothy 4, we'll read 16 through 18. Again, 
last few lines that the Lord used the Apostle Paul to write before he, he gave his life in Rome. Chapter 4, verse 16. At my first answer, when he was first arrested and, and so forth, he says, at my first answer, no man stood with me. So just look at every little part of this. When I was first arrested and first things really, you know, I got arrested for Christ's sake in the gospel. <clears throat> no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. You think it's hard? That would probably be a lot more painful than the prison that he had at the prison cell that he had to sit in. Nobody stood with him. What about all those people he wanted to Lord? What about all the people he laid down his life for? Hazarded his life for? In my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the... Pr- the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord should deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heaven, or heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I want to think about this. When Paul says in my first defense or answer, no man stood with me, where was the Lord when that was taking place? Was the Lord somewhere far off? Was the Lord somewhere close by, but not really, really close? Was the Lord busy helping somebody else at that time? We see it right here. No, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. Where was the Lord when Paul was on a prison ship heading to Rome before this with 270 others, all mostly inmates and the crew on the ship? And they, this horrible storm comes up. And for day upon day and night upon night, they didn't even see the sun. They couldn't tell if it was day or night because the storm was so bad. And the sailors were scared and they threw all the cargo over. And they were getting ready to kill the soldier, and the, the prisoners so they wouldn't escape. Where was the Lord when all that was happening? The Bible says that, that the Lord... Uh, Paul says, there stood by me this night an a- the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. And then he was able to speak to the whole ship. Nobody's going to die. Not one, one person's going to die. The Lord stood with me and He spoke to me. Where was the Lord when Stephen was preaching the Gospel? The man, the Bible says, we're told he's filled with wisdom, filled with the Holy Ghost, and filled with... Uh, with power and faith. Where was the Lord when He was boldly proclaiming Christ and the Gospel of Jesus Christ? The only sermon we know that He ever preached. And the crowd turned to an angry mob and rejected Christ and the Gospel and picked up stones and began to stone Stephen. Where was the Lord? Was the Lord somewhere else? Say, I wish I'd have been there to help Stephen. But I was just a little too far off. I couldn't get there in time. No, Stephen says, Behold, I see, while the stones are hitting him, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So I was thinking about that word, when, stand and stood. You know, when, when Paul said, At my first defense, no man stood with me, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. Stood means to appear in aid. So the Lord appeared, 
or manifest himself. He's always with us. We know that. But he specifically stood with Paul. He stood with Stephen. That means to appear in aid. So he's manifest his presence with us and with these men in aid or in help. That's quite an encouragement. It means to present together, to stand with. It's like Jesus in every situation. You're being ridiculed, mocked, uh, frowned upon, you know, discounted as nothing, beat, persecuted, whatever it may be. And the Lord says, I'm with him. He's identifying to stand with. I'm with him. And I'm with him in help and aid. And that's all we need. Everybody else abandoned Paul, at least at this time. Some people, you know, it's kind of like when Jesus was arrested, they all scattered and then they eventually they came back. But the, the point is, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. He appeared in, in our aid. And as the redeemed of the Lord, we've received the, the call, the Great Commission. We're ambassadors for Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. We've received the, the, uh, the gospel to preach or the word of reconciliation. We've received the power of the Holy Ghost to go and to labor. And I would say to add blessing upon blessing and best of all is that we've received the Lord Himself going with us. We're laboring in His fields. The Lord is laboring alongside of us. There is never a time. There is never a moment. There is never a situation, nor will there ever will be, when the Lord is not working alongside of us. There's never a moment. So don't be overwhelmed by the call. I don't speak good. I don't, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I don't know all the scriptures as well as I should, so I'm not going to witness. And uh, they're they're a brainiac, you know. They're they're a philosopher at LSU teaching philosophy, and I'm going to try to witness to them. I'm way out of my league here and out of my class. There's never a time when we're when the Lord is not laboring alongside of us. Never. He says, I've chosen the foolish things to confound the wise and to bring to nothing the things that are. I've chosen to do that. No flesh may glory in my presence because it's all the Lord. There'll never be a time when you, any time in your life, but when you step out to serve God and to work in His fields, compelling men to come to Christ, there will never be a time when the Lord will not be working alongside. We need to know that. That's all we're talking about this morning to let this truth set in. He's not merely observing us from a distance, you know, kind of critiquing us or giving you know, give us some pointers when we're through. He, he might do that as well. But he's not just observing. He's toiling. That's what that word means, work. He's laboring alongside of us. He's ministering along right alongside of us. And I say, what a relief to that. What a relief, what a comfort, what a reassurance for the saints of God. When you go to witness to your uncle this Christmas, who you hadn't seen since last Christmas, maybe. When you go to preach in the prisons, whenever we're allowed to do that again, and nothing about the prison is pleasant. I mean, the whole thing, driving up there. You know, getting out of your car, bringing your license, getting patted down, going through. You're going through bars that close behind you. You're going deeper and deeper into the prison. And more you look around, there's more and more people that are, are locked up for a reason. Okay? You'll, there'll never be a time the Lord's not working with you. 
right alongside of you. When you go to hand out tracts at LSU to, to people you don't know or approach a complete stranger and all you really have is you and the gospel and Jesus and you're going to a complete stranger maybe because God's put, you know, said, I want you to get up and go talk to them. There'll never be a time you're doing that alone. He's not just sending you out saying, I'm watching you, you're going to do fine. He's going with us. He's laboring with us. Right alongside. When you call up an old high school friend or run into an old high school friend that you haven't seen since high school and, and you say, let's go have lunch sometime. And in your mind, you're saying, some point in that lunch, I'm going to share Jesus with them. You'll never be doing that by yourself. There'll never be a time when Jesus is not working alongside of you in that very moment. And I would think, how many times have we experienced this? How many have the testimony? I know what you're talking about. I have, I have stepped out to share the gospel with someone and the Lord has been there and strengthened me. I'm not saying that we haven't been afraid. I'm saying that the Lord has helped us and we knew it was God that helped us. He empowered us and I knew He was right there with me. He was right there with me. I remember sharing the gospel with my father right when, when Dee and I got... Uh, engaged and and I went and told him that I had gotten engaged, you know, and and I was sat down on the couch and my father didn't know the Lord. I and I was at, at his house and I was talking to him about the Lord and I was stumbling and bumbling all over my words and everything else. And uh, I said, Dad, the Lord is is more real to me than you are sitting on this couch. I remember saying that. I'm 22 years old or whatever. 23. He's more real to me. And He was with me then. He, he's with us. When we, when we go out, doesn't mean we're not scared or maybe a little intimidated or hearts beating really fast. But we know that the Lord is with us. He's not some casual observer who's somewhere off too far to help us. He's not only with us, He's laboring with us. We've experienced it in our own lives that maybe the Lord by His Holy Spirit in us has given us, you're witnessing to somebody and He gives you a word of a discerning of spirits or a word of knowledge and you're able to speak something into their life. Maybe a complete stranger that their own mamas didn't even know about them. You understand what I'm saying? God showed you in that moment. You don't even know their name maybe. And you're sharing with them and God gives you by the gifts of the Spirit a discerning of spirits or a word of knowledge and you are able to speak something to their lives. That's God not only empowering you, that's God with you and in you, helping you and you speak something into their lives. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're, you're witness to somebody it's like you're banging your head against the wall. Opposition, 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 opposition. And you pray in. Even as you're talking to Him, you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And then all of a sudden you see Him break and something happens. Like, that's amazing. All of a sudden they're crying. They're opposing, they're opposing, they're giving all the arguments about evolution, everything, why it's not true, and why I don't want to live for God, and don't believe in God, and if there is a God, he's, why does He let good people, bad things happen to good people, and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you're praying in God, bam! Their heart's broken and they're weeping and they're receptive to the Gospel. How did that happen? Did it happen because you were so clever and your argument, argument was so perfect? 
God may have given you a perfect argument, but I'll tell you what happened. The Lord's working with you right alongside. And He touched that hard heart that was hard as a rock. And in a moment, He broke it because He came to seek and save the lost. And He wanted them to be saved. And they're not going to be saved with a hard heart. He's got to be able to get that Gospel in there. Don't you thank God that the Lord doesn't only empower us, but He's working with us in that moment. There might be times when we're confused. Their argument, the lost person they were witnessing to, their argument has got us confused. And our heads spin it. And we pray in God just in a moment like a wind blowing the fog away. And we think clearly and we see clearly and we can get back on, on the point of the Gospel. That's God laboring alongside of us. Don't ever think that the task is overwhelming for you. It is overwhelming for you and for me. It's not, it would be if not for the Lord working in the fields with us. Your labors together with God. That's how we open up this morning. Labors together with God. And we've seen the Lord do that. Blow away fear from us. Blow away confusion from us. And give us boldness to proclaim His Gospel. And I'm going to close with this thought. But have you ever noticed that one of the things that makes work unpleasant? I'm not saying all work is unpleasant. Okay, I had a wonderful time working at the church. And I've had a wonderful time working up there except when I dropped a 2 by 4 on my ear and cut it yesterday. And then a 2 by 10 on my foot uh, a little bit later. But uh, anyway, uh, one of the things that makes work work, and if your work is miserable, one of the things that makes work miserable, it could be a particular job or task or it could be your occupation, one of the things that makes it unpleasant, tedious, tiring, is not just the work itself. I get real dirty, or I get real sweaty, or I get real tired, or it hurts my back. One of the things that makes it miserable is not because of the work itself, it's the people you work with. Honestly, you, some occasions, I don't like the people I work with. I can't stand driving up to the office or to wherever because there are a bunch of snakes in the grass, you know, or they're, they're just honest. And, and pray you're not in that situation. But maybe at some point in your life, one of the things that made that job or that task or work unpleasant was not the work itself. It was that the people are lazy. They're not helpful. They're unkind. They're backstabbers. They're negative. They complain all the time. They're, they're pessimistic. They're selfish. They're disloyal. You know, And you say, I can't wait to finish this job or to punch the time clock at the end of the day and get out of here. Not because I hate the work so much, I can't stand the people I'm working with. And I'm just using that as an example. And I say, what a difference it makes when we labor alongside the Lord, the King of glory, the lover of our souls. He's not going to be unkind, unpleasant, unhelpful, negative, pessimistic, backstabber, snake in the grass. When you go to work every day, so to speak, with the Lord, when we step out in the Foxy's neighborhood and in the neighborhood itself, there's not, the, not a whole lot pleasant to it. Or going to the prisons. And that's the way it is with a lot of the world. Okay? And yet, that in itself may not be pleasant. Or we're going street witnessing in July when it's 104 degrees and we're soaked through to the skin, you know, through our blue jeans or whatever, and we're going out there. But to know that, that the Lord is working with us. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother He's the one that's not ashamed to be called our God. He's the one who's forgiven all of our sins. He's the one who has 
forever welcomed us into His family and to His heaven one day forever and ever. He lifts us up when we fall down. He strengthens us when we're weak and ready to give up. Even in laboring in the fields, He lifts us up. I enjoy going to work with somebody like that. Even though the work might be very hard. It gives it a whole different uh, feel and attitude. And God wants us to have that attitude. He wants us to go forth into His fields with joy. He wants us to go forth and, and serve Him with joy. It's a joy that a lost world does not have. And they don't recognize it, but they want it. Whether they ever say it or not, they want it. They want the joy that you and I have. They want the joy that we have when we assemble together and worship together. They want the joy uh, that when the peace that we have. And He wants us to be joyful in His, in His fields. I can take the most difficult job and turn it around knowing that the Lord is our co-laborer. He's working alongside of us. I want to just read this. It says something almost, and we're closing. You can come up. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'll just read it. Paul says, We then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. We then, as workers together with Him. It changes everything, y'all. To know not only that the Lord is with us, but He's working with us. He's laboring on our behalf. I'm going to close with a few thoughts while these up here. The Lord told Moses when He says, Lord, I, I, when He called Him at the burning bush, right? Go deliver My people. I can't speak well. The people aren't going to believe Me when I go. My own Jewish people won't believe that You sent Me. And Pharaoh's not going to listen to Me. And I don't speak well. I'm slow of speech. The Lord says, I will be with your mouth. So Moses, it's not overwhelming. If I wasn't with you, it would be overwhelming. It would be too much for you, but it's not overwhelming because I'm going to be with your mouth when you open it to utter a syllable. I'm going to speak it through you. It's the Lord working with us. When Moses said, you've showed me you're going to send an angel to go with me into the promised land of this people, but Lord, we want You. And the Lord said, surely my presence will go with You. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to bring you into the promised land. Jesus was the fourth man in the fire with three Hebrew boys. Three Hebrew teenagers probably, or young men. When they stood for the Lord, He stood with them and for them. In the fire. Right there with them in the fire. The Lord was with Daniel in the lion's den. When Daniel stood for God, He was in the lion's den and shut their mouths. And Daniel actually had a pleasant night's sleep that night. That's what he says. The Bible says he slept in the lion's den. And Peter and John, I just want to read this, when they when they've been persecuted for preaching the Gospel, and they went back to their group of believers, the church, when they were released, and they prayed together, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto Thy servants that with all boldness they may speak Thy Word by stretching forth Thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Thy holy child, Jesus. We, we're going back out again. And You're with us. And we want the signs and wonders as we preach the Gospel that signs and wonders would be done by Your holy child, Jesus. He's with us. 
He's working with us. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost again. The place where they were shaken, where they was, were shaken. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And Father, we just come before you this morning. God, I want to thank you, Lord Jesus.